Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. The Word of God always has truth for us in it, right? The Word of God always has something that we can take from it and just move into our future more confidently than the moment before when we get into the Word, and I just love it. And so this morning, we are continuing in our season in Mark, which is really cool. Um, I'm just going to pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that there is so much truth for us to take from your word. And I pray that this morning you would illuminate something fresh for us. Lord, I pray that we would listen to you. And God, that we would walk away knowing that you've spoken to us, knowing, Lord God, that we can trust you, rely on you, walk with you through this life that you've given us, Lord. So I just pray joy through the word this morning, God. And I pray your incredible presence would just continue to manifest here in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I am a big fan of TV series. Anybody else like a good TV series? Yep. I probably like different ones to you, most likely, because we all have different tastes, right? But the thing with any TV series is there are seasons. There are seasons of TV series. Now, one of my very favourite series is called Heartland. Do I have any other Heartland fans? Thank you. So good. If you have not watched it, you should watch that one. I feel very confident in recommending that one to you. It's awesome. Anyway, I love this show because it's about this horse whisperer. And (laughs) she's, it's so good. But it's set in like someplace in Canada, I'm pretty sure. And it's on my bucket list now. I definitely want to go there at some point. Uh, But it's this beautiful countryside and they live on a farm and she gets all these, this girl gets all these horses that get brought into her and, um, and she basically talks to them. And not like literally talks to them, but she, she sort of does actually. But she works out what's wrong with them and then they go out and they're healed and changed and beautiful and you can ride them again and all of these things. And I just think, oh, that's such a beautiful story. Anyway, I get quite involved with, um, with these characters. There's like Jack who's the granddad and he's the patriarch of the family and he's like this like tough country guy but he's so soft on the inside and he's like just lovely. I want him to be my grandpa. I love my grandpa, but I, you know, he's not here anymore. So if I had to choose another one, I'd have Jack. Um, and there's Amy, who's the horse whisperer, and she's like so clever. And I wish that I could talk to my kids and like deal with my kids like she deals with horses, because I think I could make some real change in our house. Charlotte, what do you reckon? Will I give it a go? I think it could be really fun. Um, you know, it's like she gets the, the whip thing. Not a whip. It's not a whip. It's not a whip. It's not a whip. It's like this long, it's like this long ro- like thing that she like leads them around with gently. Like it's very gentle. I'm not going to whip you, Charlotte. That's recorded. Don't crop that any other way. Um, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting off track. And then there's like... Lou, who's this entrepreneur, who's got her, like, so good at all these things. Anyway, I get very involved, as you can see. There's 15 seasons. Season 16's coming in October, in case you are in this. Yes, that's how good it is. People love it. Anyway, moving on. Um, But I get, with any, see, 
like any series of TV, there's a season finale, okay? I hate season finales generally because they are so, like, make you sit on the edge of your seat, but you are so excited and anticipating the next season because there's been an explosion and Jack walked into the barn and there was an explosion and now I don't know if Jack's alive or if he's dead. And I need to know, so I've got to wait until the next season. So there's like this anticipation. Sometimes it's nicer, like sometimes it might be like a wedding that finishes off, but usually there's a little bit of drama in the wedding or whatever. But there's always something, right? Season finale, we need to, we want to know. It's a significant moment in that season finale that takes them into the next season and makes you want to watch again, all right? So guess what? Guess how that all like links in for today? We are in the season finale of season one of Mark. Yes, we are. So there you go. So hopefully I'll like leave you on a cliffhanger, ready and anticipating for... No, you know what? I just really believe that God's got a defining moment for us today. And we've come quite a way in Mark. We're up to chapter three. We're midway through chapter three. And this is like... A moment in the scripture that is like a defining moment for a number of different reasons, but it is our season finale for this time, and we will be back to Mark after we have a bit of a break Um, at the right time. We're just going to trust God at the moment today to do something fresh with us with Mark. So we're going to read from Mark 3. Jesus appoints the 12, and it starts at verse 13. I should read from the actual Bible because then I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Okay, cool. Um, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, maybe, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay, big one. So, you might have recalled so far in Mark, we've had two major themes. Announcing authority, which is about the authority of Jesus, and now the authority that we have been given as well as well as when tradition becomes a trap and the the things that we can get caught up with, if you like, um, that cause us to not live in the fullness that God intended for us, but we're caught in some of the traditions maybe um, that have been going on around us or that we've just grown up with and always known. But when we get to this particular part of the scripture, I just want to make things a a couple of things clear, just to like bring us up to date. So firstly, Jesus has commenced his ministry on earth. All right, so it's very clear he started to heal people, he started to uh, see evil spirits driven out of people, he's starting to speak and uh, give people insight into what the new is as it comes. Uh, We know that, secondly, Jesus has begun to call people to him. So we see that through the scriptures so far. We've seen him call some fishermen to him. We've seen him call Levi, the tax collector, to him. There's a few people, but we also see throughout these scriptures that there are crowds following Jesus. So not just those people, but there's crowds who keep following Jesus because there is something about him, which is another indication that his ministry has begun. People want to know what he has to say. Thirdly, Jesus begins to show us what is important. 
he begins to show us what we need to, how we need to live our lives and connecting with God. He takes moments to draw aside to connect with God, to connect with people, really important, and to obviously start to extend the kingdom of God, which is what he was purposed on earth for. And it happens through heaps of different ways, as we can see. And lastly, Jesus challenges the traditions that have caused people to become stuck in their religion rather than operate in the life that God has intended for us to live. He started to do that. He's showing us a new way to live, just the beginnings of that. And he challenges those people who considered themselves to be the only righteous ones, the Pharisees. He challenges those people and starts to break down the law that the Jewish people followed and knew to a T, knew what they needed to do. So he starts to break that down. Mark is super succinct. He gets to the point very quickly, unlike me sometimes, that's okay. But Mark gets to the point really quickly. And it's important to note here that other things have happened through this little short season in Mark, okay? So we can read some of the other Gospels and you'll see that the Sermon on the Mount has already occurred. And other moments of Jesus' ministry have already occurred. And I would encourage you to have a look at the timeline and see how everything fits in. It's very interesting. And lots of important things had been said and he had spoken to a huge crowd of people and many who were following Jesus. But in this scripture that we come to, we find that Jesus sets aside 12 people. Two, that was two. Twelve. (laughs) Twelve people. He sets aside 12 people who he has called out of the crowd for something different. They stand apart. So in my life... In my life, I feel like I should sing that song. In my life, there have been lots of defining moments, right? I remember getting married. That was a defining moment in my life. It changed what I was going to do for the rest of my life because I was doing it with somebody else. Ben, I hope you're feeling better online. You're okay. Um, Man flu. He's got man flu, which is really serious. I I know. Sorry, babe. Um, But there have been lots of defining moments. Like when I had kids... That was a defining moment that changed everything in a beautiful way. I love them. Um, There was moments where I have graduated from something or maybe we have uh, been promoted in something and that's a defining moment. But I can definitely tell you that the most significant and defining moments in my life have been those where I have been in the tangible presence of God and I have felt him speaking to me or I have felt him confirm something in me not a not a tangible like not a an audible voice I can't say that but I have known that he's impressed something upon me and has helped me to reshape my life to reflect Jesus more or to maybe realign some of the things that are going on in my world or the belief systems that I have to actually come back into alignment with what the Word of God says. They have been the most significant. And one happened uh, for me around six or seven years ago. And I found myself in a place of complete depletion. And some of you would know this story well, and um, others may not have remembered that, but I, it was, and I can't really find a word except depletion that really indicates what had happened or what was happening at that time. But I had this defining moment when I realised and God impressed upon me that I am more than what I do and that actually who I am in Jesus is the most important thing, not what I do. 
And so that was a really big defining moment for me because I found that it changed the course of my life and it changed the course of the way that I minister to people. It changed the way I thought about myself. It changed a whole lot of things. And it was in that moment with God that I started to find healing and I started to be able to operate in the way he'd actually intended for me to operate instead of in this way that I had tried to live up to um, if for my whole life probably. But needless to say, defining moments are very important in our lives. Spoiler alert, people. This is a defining moment in the scripture. It's a defining moment because he, Jesus is about to get ready to train these 12 people to minister to the, to the world and to take his message and to extend his mission that he was placed on earth to do. He is tra- beginning to train these people up and to set them apart to be people who would literally change the world with the message of Jesus. But they don't even realize that yet. They don't realize that this moment in history is where they are about to find out who they are in Christ, where they are about to find out that they are a part of changing the world forever. Jesus calls them to him and sets and appoints them. So I just want to focus on those two things. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to, uh, to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. There are two phrases here, called to him and he appointed. He called the 12, but he also appointed the 12. So a couple of very interesting facts, I thought. They were interesting. I thought you might too. First of all, Jesus appoint hairy mouth. Jesus appoints them on the mountain, all right? So in the Old Testament, lots of really significant things happened on the mountain. You will remember that when um, Isaac was taken to be sacrificed by Abraham and he got to the mountain, God provided a ram instead on a mountain. Moses received the Ten Commandments on a mountain. So Jesus would have known that this was a really important thing, that this was a significant thing. And so he does the same thing. He appoints these 12 on a mountain. I thought that was very interesting because there would have been this anticipation in these people about what that meant for them. We know that it led to the extension of the kingdom and Jesus' mission, but there would have been an anticipation and Jesus would have wanted to mark this point. The second thing to mention is that there were 12 appointed. And for those of you who know the Old Testament, that mirrors the 12 tribes in the Old Testament, which is really cool. One commentary says, In the calling of the 12, Jesus orders his work and theirs in accordance with the structure of redemptive history and its goal the creation of the community of God. Wow, right? We don't think about these things often. Um, And how beautiful was our communion experience this morning? So good, Pastor Karen. Because we see that the redemptive nature of God has been in existence since the beginning of time. We can see that um, in appointing the 12, it reflects the continuation of the promise of God to create a way to the Father. Once through the law that the Israelites were to live by and now by a life given to Jesus who fulfilled the law and therefore made a way to the Father through himself. Pretty cool. Interesting side notes. There you go. Take those away. Ponder those. 
But through this whole series, we've been talking about being a disciple and what it means to be a disciple, what it means to have Jesus in us and what we do when we take the authority and the freedom that he has given us to live as his people, his children on earth and ambassadors to him. It's no longer about us. It's all about him. And so we can see in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, the, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Each of us are called to live a life of faith like this. So I just want to really quickly talk to you about the word call. I used to get really hung up on the word call. I used to think, what am I called to? It seemed like this big question that was on everybody's lips. What do you, call, what do you feel like God's calling you to? What if I missed my calling? How will I know when I get called? All of these things used to go in my head. And honestly, there was probably much of my life and brain space that was wasted by thinking or taken up with thinking about my call and what God was saying and whether I was going to miss it and how I was going to find it and all of these things. And when I felt like I had to have some epiphany about, oh, that's what I'm called to. But I think that God has given us, every single person in this room, every single person online, talents and abilities to outwork on earth. And when they're submitted to him for his glory, we begin to understand that the call of God is on every one of us. And giving over those skills means that wherever we outwork them, we will be advancing the kingdom of God when we are aligned with him. That's the reality. You know, sometimes you do have a really clear pull towards a particular vocation and you might be particularly passionate about something. And like me, I felt a very clear pull towards ministry within the church context. So this is where I outwork my skills and my giftings. But for others, you might find that you are passionate about kids or your heart skips a beat, Pete, when you look at a spreadsheet. (laughs) It can happen. But you find a vocation where you can work out those gifts and those skills that you have. Because the Holy Spirit is our guide. So whatever you put your hand to, we trust that he will help us to make wise decisions about what we are doing, give him the glory for what we are doing, and that he will continue to walk through us and and help us to be passionate, more passionate about the things that are placed in front of us. And we just get to make decisions which he will bless because God is always with us. So we will advance the kingdom as we surrender to God no matter what. We are also all called to advance the kingdom as followers of Christ, no matter what vocation we are in. In everything. This is for every single believer, not just a few, but for every person who declares Jesus as Lord. So let me clear it up for you. You are already called. You are called. You are called to live as a disciple of Jesus, no matter what vocation you outwork, your gifts and skills and abilities. And in those vocations, you are called to honour Jesus. 
But there are also appointments that God gives when we see the importance of these through Scripture. So Moses was appointed, and we've seen that the disciples were appointed here. David was appointed, and Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy that he was also appointed. And the list goes on, and you can actually read for yourselves in Ephesians 4 that Christ gave himself to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and he did it for the good of the church. So there are appointments that he makes that we get to outwork those skills and talents that we have so that the church becomes all that God had intended it to be. But, and, and throughout Ephesians, you can read all of the beautiful things that the church looks like or that God wants the church to look like. But the ultimate aim is that every single believer would walk in confidence in the calling that God has placed on your life as a child of God. That's it. We can see this in heaps of other scriptures. Colossians 3 tells us that we are a chosen people and lists off a way of how we, are, how we are to show that to the world. Galatians 5 tells us that we're called to be free, so therefore live a life in the Spirit accordingly. Make the most of every opportunity to do good to all around us. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that as believers, we're part of the church, and as the church of God, we are co-workers, called to do our part for the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God. So a life of faith and the call of God is actually very connected to the way that we outwork our life and the way that we live our life on earth. We can't separate it. We live as his children. We are called to him to live a life that honours and glorifies him, to extend his kingdom using the gifts and talents, our hands, our feet, the heart and the passion that he gave us. And in addition, he gave us the Holy Spirit to guide, gift, and encourage us in this pursuit. So cool, right? We have the Holy Spirit guiding us, leading us, showing us the way. You know, we don't know what the future holds in that call of God. We don't know. Just like Peter wouldn't have known that he would write two books, inspire one gospel, travel to do mission work for God, or spread the word of God to the Gentiles. And so much more. We walk in faith, but we also can't let our past disqualify us from the call that God has on our life because Jesus doesn't see our past. He sees the incredible future that he's got for us. Of course, he sees our past, really. He's outside of time. I get that. But he actually looks to our future because that's who he has called us. He knows who we are becoming He knows what he has gifted you with. He knows the incredible things that you are going to do. So don't let our past pollute that call. I mean, otherwise some people like Paul would never have become who he was because he really did a work on the people that he persecuted in the church for such a long time. But God saw something on him and he called him into a beautiful future. Our skills and our gifts and ability are not what we place our confidence in. Our confidence is completely reliant on who Christ is, on who he is, and remembering who we are in Christ is so important. So do you know whether you are in business, whether you are a church leader, whether you are working in a school, whether you are part-time working somewhere while you study, whether you are a stay-at-home parent or working in the marketplace, whether you are retired or, as our gaities like to say, refired, refired up for the kingdom of God, that's their, their line, whether you're retired or whether you're at school, 
You are called. Every single person in this room is called. Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or a Christian for 50 years, you're called. You're called to follow Jesus. You are called to surrender your life, as it says in Galatians, no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Let's not make it complicated. It might mean that we have to leave some stuff behind or change the way we think. We might not be able to remain embedded in the things of the past, maybe some of our traditions. We might need to leave those behind and change our lives to align with Christ. But we are all called to move forward into a new and better future, totally under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I am ready for a new season, right? I'm ready for a new season where I do walk in confidence, where I don't second guess all the stuff that's you know pops up in your mind or whatever it might be. But we need to walk with anticipation and excitement into this next season. And that's what I believe God wants to tell us today. You know, we have all been called to be set apart from the world. We live in the world, but we don't live of the world. And perhaps for some of us today, we need to get a fresh revelation of what that means. What does it mean to live in and not of the world? To say goodbye to the old and say hello to the new things that Christ has already given us the minute that we gave our lives to Jesus. We are made a new creation. So maybe we just need to walk in the fullness of what that looks like. You know, this defining moment when Jesus set apart the 12 disciples, disciples even, (laughs) was when the old was going and the new was being revealed. We have beautiful thing called hindsight. We can see what happens. We know what the new looks like. We don't have to hold on to the past. We don't have to hold on to the, the old. We get to walk in the new right now. So incredible. For each of us, the old has gone, the new has come has come and it is time to walk in that reality. We are people who are called to carry the authority of Jesus into the world, to see people's lives impacted because of that authority, because of that revelation that we have in him. We get to ensure that we live in the freedom that Christ has secured for us, that a life that honours God takes captive our thoughts and declares him Lord of all. And we're called to bring people to life around us and carry light into the darkness. So my question for you today is, are you willing to walk in that calling? Are you willing to walk in the fullness of what that looks like? No matter where you are, whether you're at uni, whether you are at home, whether you are working in a workplace somewhere, whatever it might be, are you ready and willing to walk in the fullness of what that looks like? Do you know that you are called? Do you need a fresh revelation of that today, that you are called? You know, maybe you're here this morning and you don't even know who Jesus is. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you're online and you don't know who Jesus is. Well, I want to tell you that this is a defining moment in your life. Well, it can be. As you take a step of faith towards knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, because there is no greater purpose to live for, not one. And maybe you are hearing this and realising that you don't know what it even means to have a relationship. Well, I want to invite you to take that step this morning. 
So if that's you and you don't know who Jesus is, but you would like to find out more about a relationship with him, then I would love to pray with you down the front after this service is finished. If you are online and you would like to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, then there is somebody online right now who can talk with you about that. Just click the request prayer button and there'll be a a chat that you can go into and have a chat about that. But maybe you're here today and you have been hung up on what it means to be called by God and you just need to like let that go. That's cool. I did that too and it was good because we are all called. Maybe you're hearing the Holy Spirit whisper you a change in direction or a step of faith to extend the kingdom or just a fresh revelation of what it means to walk in the wholeness of the calling of God. We have people here who would love to pray with you right down the front here. And I wonder if today for most of us it is just a day for a season finale where we say, all right, enough of this stuff that's been happening in my life. Enough of that thought pattern that keeps coming back. I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm stepping over it and I'm saying no more to that old. I'm going to walk in the new. Is that you here this morning? Because I truly believe that in this defining moment that there is an incredible anointing of God to be able to step into that brand new thought process, that brand new place where Jesus wants to take the old and replace it with an incredible new thing. What is it that God is talking to you about? It might be as simple as talking to your neighbours about Jesus. It might be as simple as finding life in the Word of God again. Because all of these things are what God has called us into. Maybe it's pursuing the gifts of the Spirit and stepping out into a place of prophetic or healing or something like that. It might be just a resubmission of your skills and talents to God. And it could be even dropping all of those old things and taking a step for increased transformation. What is it that Jesus is saying you to you today? I believe that God is tugging on hearts or there's been something that has resonated. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.